0: Wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling. Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class redneck dude. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies. As always, I'll light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is. In all my magnificent you're to be mine all night long. Here's Jonathan Hood.
1: Welcome in to another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. And don't forget our YouTube page as well, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss an episode of one of our long-form interviews that we've done on the world of professional wrestling slash sports entertainment This is a very interesting weekend for wrestling. SummerSlam Sunday is coming. It's actually a great championship wrestling weekend that we're going to have here. On the 23rd of August, it will be SummerSlam emanating, we believe, from the Amway Arena in Orlando. Going inside of Thunderdome. So we'll talk about the card. We'll also hear from Bully Ray from Busted Open on SiriusXM Radio. We'll hear his thoughts about a faction that is growing in the WWE. Seth Rollins, you'll hear from Seth Rollins thoughts on what the WWE is trying to accomplish here during COVID-19. Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez have their thoughts about what's going on with the WWE and more. All part of the mix right here. Another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Here we go. So I've looked over the card for SummerSlam for this year, and I see Drew McIntyre, the WWE Champion, will take on Randy Orton. And I believe that the build for these two have been pretty sound. But right out of the WWE Vince McMahon playbook, you've seen the use of legends to be able to get a match over. And I don't know when this will stop, but this has been something that's been going on forever. We've seen Ric Flair in a position where he shouldn't be at age 71 where he gets punted in the head and talked down to and Randy Orton given that cheap heat. Boy, that was some cheap heat he gave a couple weeks ago on Raw talking about Flair's dead son, Reed. That didn't make sense, but it was supposed to be something to get a reaction to really show that Randy Orton is a heel as if we didn't know that anyway. But the build toward Randy Orton and what I think is going to be another eventual WWE Heavyweight Championship reign has been interesting. This is the best Randy Orton I've seen in a long time. And I'm not this big Randy Orton fan over the years. I think that because of how he was utilized, I believe his character was stagnant. He definitely is not a babyface as much as he's tried. And when you're a heel, you want to be able to be hated. And I can understand how some can look at Randy Orton, everything he's done with the Big Show and Edge to get to this point, including injuring a guy that's been his second, a guy that has been with him and Ric Flair. I can completely understand why people would look at Randy Orton and say, boy, I can't stand that guy. And so he's made himself as a mega heel. It's not 80s or 90s level, but for this generation of sports and entertainment fans, it's pretty close. When you're talking about someone's dead son and trying to put that in the storyline to get over, that's that's pretty rough. And there's Drew McIntyre. You don't know, really, if Drew McIntyre is thought of as this champion that can held the championship for a long period of time. He was able to finally get to the mountaintop and win the world's championship, the WWE title, At WrestleMania now, here we are at SummerSlam. During this COVID-19, the WWE has not been performing in front of fans. So we don't even know whether it's overseas or in the United States or in Canada, how McIntyre gets over. I know that I've liked McIntyre as a champion because it feels fresh. It feels new. So I have no problem with that at all. But something tells me that McIntyre's time could be over at SummerSlam as he takes on Randy Orton. You know the inevitable was gonna happen, and here it is Orton against McIntyre. But let me go back to the formula that the WWE has exercised for a long time. Instead of being able to continuing to, to continually put together The uh, tag team match or a singles match in which both participants or four participants or whoever is going to be involved, they get after each other in a build to a pay-per-view. The WWE, whether it's at WrestleMania time or Survivor Series or SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, they always have to bring out the legends. I wonder what that looks like in 25 years, by the way, to try to get other wrestlers over. What do they do? They roll out an old Brock Lesnar. Do they roll out an older Seth Rollins? Do they roll out an old, wrinkled up, you know, Becky Lynch <laughs> or whomever, right? I don't know what they, in 25 years, are doing? The, are they doing the same thing? To see Shawn Michaels out there not looking like Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair at age 71, say, if you are able to do something against these legends, now people will say, now we're ready for the event. Well, if you're a wrestling fan, you're ready for the event anyway. No matter the drop-off in ratings, people know the tent pole events for the WWE when it comes to pay-per-view. So, you don't necessarily need Ric Flair in this spot, but they've used him. Shawn Michaels last night, they used him. But if you don't use those legends, I'm still ready for SummerSlam.
0: At SummerSlam, you will see it coming. Long words from the Hall of Famer, I the heartbreak kid. Got the Randy Orton, you will see it coming. Well, the... Oh, wait a minute, oh, wait yes. a minute. Oh, Randy Orton with an RKO to Shawn Michaels. No, no, no. A punt, a punt by the legend killer. Oh, and here comes the WWE Champion from
2: McIntyre after Orton.
3: Drew McIntyre
0: has had enough! God McIntyre, the, the, the damage has already been done to Shawn Michaels. Shawn, I'm sorry, you kid. Okay. Shawn, speak to me, speak to me. Can we get you? some damn help back here? Get some help out here! Shawn,
2: come on, speak to me. You good?
0: Can somebody we get some help out here? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no! Wait a minute, minute Orton, trying to blindside McIntyre, and look at the WWE champion go! Oh, no. Send it to the outside. McIntyre's not done. McIntyre
3: is not finished.
0: McIntyre! Oh! oh
1: no. Wow, that was something, right? That was from this past RAW, where Shawn Michaels is attacked and gets RKO'd from behind by Randy Orton. You know what's interesting about that? In the corner, after the RKO and the punt to the head, Drew McIntyre, as you heard, says, Hey, Sean, are you okay? You okay? And there was Shawn Michaels making his way up to his feet. (laughs) I know Shawn was a competitor, but is Shawn going to be wrestling at SummerSlam 2020? He's coming to his feet after a punt to the head that's supposed to knock you out and an RKO. And he's pretty much as an agent kicking out at two in some ways. Coming to his feet after a punt and an RKO, it looks like he's just fine. Legends never die, right? Apparently not. I mean, any other anybody else, they're just laid out flat or they get medical attention. They go to a medical facility. They don't call them hospitals in the WWE, but yet Shawn Michaels is on his way up to his feet. Maybe he's ready for Sweet Chin Music to give to Randy Orton or something. I, I just I just thought that was funny. Like Shawn Michaels sold that like he sold in his match against Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Not great. So, I have some of the WWE SummerSlam show that's in front of me. I believe that these matches are correct. Drew McIntyre against Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. I believe Randy Orton very well could be the new WWE champion. Let's see what else we have there. Street Profits, Dawkins, and Ford against Andrade and Angel Garza with Zelina Vega for the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. Well, I'd like to see Andrade and Angel Garza win the championships. I'm not sure if they will, but we know that that's going to be a good match because they're going to be flying all over the uh the creation all over the arena. Angel Garza will be so... Well, actually both. And- Andrade and Angel Garza. They both would be terrific singles attractions. But they're in a tag team. And I'm good with them being a tag team. But, I mean, Angel Garza has it. Andrade has it. Uh, it's too bad. Because those two would be great as singles attractions. And it gives the, the roster a bit of youth... And the ability for those two to work hard and get over. But they're a tag team. Apollo Crews against MVP. Now, let me stop here with MVP for a second. When MVP returned to the WWE, my thought was, ah, MVP's back. But it was kind of a a gimmick that I thought that was washed, right? MVP comes out. And he's got that chain, it says 305, and he's still saying Ballin, and it's like 2020, and Ballin was cool in the 90s. And I think that the WWE writers have made light of that in some of the back and forth that MVP has done with other superstars in the WWE. And I thought, ah, this is tired. But you know, the Hurt Business is over. I think it's over because of how MVP is able to help. You know, whatever you think of Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin, they're not the best promos in the world, but they look great and they can go. We'd have always known that Shelton Benjamin can really go as a performer. And and you take a look at Bobby Lashley, he's as vicious as I've ever seen him. I've always thought there was a need for a second gear, third gear in his, um, in his career. I know he can wrestle. I saw plenty of him in TNA. Uh, not necessarily as much in the WWE the first time around, but I, I could see there's a a ruthlessness to Bobby Lashley from time to time. And so now and with MVP, MVP has talked himself into a position where he is in a singles match for the United States Championship. Um, and Lashley and Benjamin are barred from ringside. But MVP's held his own as well. He could definitely still wrestle, but his mic skills has helped him be in a position. It's also helping Apollo Cruz. I think all of that is helping Apollo Crews at the same time too. He's a guy that was that the WWE, Vince McMahon, writers, whatever, gave up on. And he's right there in the US title picture. And Apollo Cruz is this white meat baby face that I think can get over. So I, I like that a lot. Here's some evidence of MVP's mic skills. I'm so glad they have these shows back, the Raw Talk and the Smack Talk, whatever, these post-game shows. This is good for the WWE Network. I'm glad it's back because it adds a different layer to the wrestlers when they're somewhat unscripted. They're probably There's probably bullet points here and there, but as far as the guests that come on, they're pretty much unscripted, and I'm glad that they're going be able to talk off the top of their head without having to go through lines, as far as I know. So there's Braxton that's on the um, panel. There's there is John. There is a number of people here, and I'm looking at Samoa Joe's there, MVP is there, uh, and Byron Saxton. Why did I almost call him Coachman? You caught that right? I almost called John the coachman because I'm looking at the screen um, But looking at uh, Saxton, and they're going back and forth with MVP uh, when it comes to their matchup coming up against Apollo Cruz.
4: But, but, but I mean, I think uh, perhaps you would give Apollo Cruz some credit because
0: that was a pretty wise stipulation that he came up with. Mm-hmm. You're earning the right to have both Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley banned from ringside. Look, man, Apollo is the one behind all this retribution stuff. All the, 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 the lights and the technical difficulties, think about it. All of that started right around the time Apollo and I fought for the United States Championship. Look, count the number of the guys in retribution. How many guys does Apollo run with? Look at the facts, man. Look at the facts. Follow the money. Always follow the money. Who benefits most from the acts of retribution? Come on, man. Well, uh, okay, that's so, a, that's a big accusation. So, so why don't you ask Apollo what his strategy is? What's he got up his sleeve?
3: Well, if you feel that that is Apollo who's leading, that does that not intimidate you a little bit more that he can uh, be wait, that wait, strategic? On.
0: Intimidate? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I roll with? Intim- no, we do the intimidating. We're not intimidated by anyone.
3: But there's no we come Sunday. It's you. We the
1: royal we. <laughs> there's no we on Sunday. <laughs> Ah, geez. I like like MVP off the top of his head talking. I like that. I like that a lot. We'll talk about Retribution a little bit later on in our broadcast here for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Let's see what else does the WWE have to offer for SummerSlam. So, like I mentioned, MVP, I think his mic skills has really helped out in this faction, this group, uh, the Hurt Business. Hmm. Dominic Mysterio against Seth Rollins in a street fight. They have nothing else to do with Seth Rollins. I mean, I understand Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. That was um, a terrific match. I, I you know, the um, I like when those two are in the ring. They could do so much more than some of the creative that they've been given. The eye for the eye stuff was silly. I just thought it was silly. Just. No one's eye was going to be popped out. From what I understand that, of course, now there's no fans. You could just continue to take do takes. Two and three different takes and different angles. Now you're, as I mentioned, the WWE is making like motion, they're making, uh, like motion pictures now. I don't understand. It's kind of strange, right? It's like, just film the match and just move on. Now wrestlers have to stop and have to do second and third takes. It's kind of strange. Anyway, I look at the battle with Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins and feel, wow, you know, these two could really have great matches. Of course they could. But, of course, the eye for the eye thing, was I just thought was just terrible booking, just terrible creative. And now Dominic Mysterio with an opportunity to take on Seth Rollins, the son of Rey Mysterio. And there's some things I like about Dominic, but he's still very green. And he goes to not just the middle of the ladder, not the bottom of the ladder, but the top of the ladder with one of the best wrestlers in the company, in Seth Rollins, in a street fight. Well, I guess because Dominic is not necessarily in particular uh, shape to be in like a twenty minute classic or twenty minute great match with Seth Rollins. A street fight is easier. We'll see what happens. I expect Seth Rollins to to win the match, but it's nice that Dominic is there to try to help fight Seth Rollins because his dad, Rey Mysterio, has one eye or, or something like that. Funny, Seth Rollins recently was talking about what is going on with the WWE as far as trying to make the most out of the creative that that's given to them. And it made a lot of sense to me.
5: Everyone, and and I'm not just talking about the wrestlers, I'm talking about everyone from Vince McMahon down, uh, whether it is a creative team member, whether it is a production team member, whether it is, you know, uh, an aide, a writer's assistant, anybody, you know, we all take pride in our jobs. We all got into being professional wrestling, you know, uh, performers or writers or thinkers or whatever, because we were fans. And so this is something that we love. And so I think when, um, we get laughed at or we get made fun of by our, uh, you know, hardcore audience that puts a chip on our shoulder. I, I don't think that any of us take lightly the idea that, um, you know, that we've lost a step or that, uh, you know, things aren't what they used to be or you can't do this or you can't do that. You know, um, and I can speak specifically for the locker room. We are full of guys and girls who are extremely talented, extremely driven, extremely hardworking. And we do the best we can with the hand we're dealt. And sometimes in 2020, you know, with COVID and the pandemic and quarantine and everything that's been shut down, I mean, this, we're backed up against the wall. So sometimes in situations like that, you know, that's when thats when the best, the artists do their best work, you know, when there is angst and frustration and, and some sort of... Um, Need to prove others wrong. And so um, all those situations you brought up are good examples of that, but it goes deeper, man. It goes all the way, all the way to the bottom from the top. Everybody's trying to make this thing work the best we possibly can.
1: Thoughts from Seth Rollins? Yeah, you know what? He makes a good point. You know, also, something else, I listened to this a couple times just to kind of figure out where he was going with this. Seth Rollins, you know who he sounds like? He sounds like John Cena. He sounds like a guy that is going to be with the company until he retires. He's been so big on protecting the company. And I totally understand it. I totally get it. I mean, you're a WWE person. You want to be, I don't know, locker room leader. I don't know if that's even who Seth Rollins is. It's, that's what I surmise from uh, Seth Rollins is that he's a guy that is a locker room leader, I guess, from his standpoint. He sounds like a guy, though, that goes out of his way to talk about you and I as fans. And if we dare question WWE creative, then we're haters. If we dare question some things that we see on the show, then, hey, you know, it's us against the wall. Well, you know, the WWE probably should feel that way. I'm sure that there's some wrestlers that also feel that some of the creative is kind of silly and they feel like it's not going anywhere. But, again, you're talking about... A seventy plus year old man that wants his way, that does not necessarily bend to others around him, the hundreds of writers and creative people and producers and agents that are around there, it all boils down to one person that's Vince McMahon. And what is Vince and his tastes, what what are they like? You know, so I, I don't know. I, I I like that Seth stands up for the company. But at the same time, he has to understand that you're in it. You're in the bubble. You don't see how ridiculous some of this stuff is. It's not necessarily on the wrestlers as much as it is just the creative that's put out there for them. It's not all bad. But there's some things where you say, Well, I wish that this person was pushed. Or I wish we could just be able to see these two or these four just be able to battle and tell a story. And tell a story that does not involve the fans and blaming the fans. That's all. Oh, and there's Asuka. Asuka, who should be a champion in the WWE, will have her opportunity. It says here Sasha Banks against Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. It says Bayley versus Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Championship. She's wrestling twice. Guess she is. Sasha Banks and Bayley are two of the best in the WWE as far as how they're able to handle their creative. They're the two woman power trip. This is who they are. It's interesting. It's not like we've never seen this before where two people feel like they have the world by the tail and they're the best and they're the cat's ass and nobody can touch us because we got each other's back. And we know eventually there's going to be a breakup. We just don't know when I like how they're stringing us along. We've seen We've seen something here and there that tells you at some point these two will break up. But we haven't seen it just as of yet. But they have so many championships, it's still interesting to watch. The thing that you want for any wrestling company is to be able to have wrestlers on your roster that you say, boy, when they come on TV, I can't wait to see what they're going to say or do. Those are two of them. Banks and Bailey. Asuka does not have her tag team partner anymore. So it's up to Banks as well as uh, Bailey, to entertain us against Asuka. Someone's going to lose their championship. be funny if Asuka won both. <laughs> Might as well. Like, what if she won both championships? I don't mind seeing Asuka on both shows. I have no problem with that because she's a terrific performer. But if she comes away with no championships, this is a complete waste. We'll see. Braun Strowman against The Fiend a singles match for the WWE Universal Championship. I'll say it again. Why is Bray Wyatt in any kind of championship match at all? I don't understand it. I guess from the Fiend standpoint, it's cool, like, oh, I'm just going to scare you so bad, I'm going to beat you so bad, that now I'm going to be the champion. But that's so unlike anybody else who's ever been like the Fiend. I've, I've stated before, wrestlers like Jake Roberts wrestlers like Raven, Kevin Sullivan, a a lot of these characters that were so over because they were the number one heel in their company never needed the championship. Like Jake the Snake Roberts never needed to be a champion. The same could be said for Kevin Sullivan, who won plenty of regional championships across the country in his time. But Kevin, because he was into that devil worship and you know, and all the things that he was doing in his character, he never needed a championship, but he was champion here and there. And the same thing you say about Raven too. Like Raven doesn't necessarily need the championship when he was in ECW, but he was. And or in WCW, but he was at times. Um, but these characters are so great that they don't need championships to get themselves over. I don't know why Bray Wyatt needs to win a championship over Braun Strowman. The title should be Bray Wyatt tries to steal the soul of Braun Strowman, tries to beat him so bad that Braun's got no other choice but to align himself with Bray Wyatt again, in some kind of faction of the Wyatt family. Because like the championship means nothing. Say say Bray wins the championship at SummerSlam. Okay, so then what? Then sometimes we'll get Bray Wyatt. Sometimes we'll get the Fiend. Yeah, there's no need for him to be the champion, but. I'm sure it'll be an interesting match. The question is, which I don't know, is this, is this going to be one of these uh, matches that's going to actually take place in the ring this time? Or is this going to be one of these you know, major, major motion pictures that we're going to see once again, like we saw from these two before? Who knows? Hair versus hair. Sonya Deville against Mandy Rose. Now, who do you think is going to really lose their hair in this matchup? I mean, Seriously. Seriously. Kevin Dunn has been with the WWE for a long time. He's been pretty much Vince McMahon's right-hand man for generations, for a long time. So I read Sports Illustrated today, and it says that the WWE has made it official that this Sunday's SummerSlam is taking place at the Amway Center in Orlando. The WWE will also take residency at the Amway Center for the foreseeable future, holding Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views in the building, which will be... Rechristen the WWE Thunderdome. So the re of this building will be called the WWE Thunderdome. Who came up with that? I'm sure Vince did, right? Kevin Dunn, the executive vice president of television production, confirmed the news. He says, when people think of WWE, most think of the spectacle that we are, but it was just impossible to put on a spectacle at the Performance Center. Moving to Amway and unveiling the Thunderdome, the opportunities are limitless. The new setting will be unveiled this Friday on SmackDown, complete with pyrotechnics, drone cameras, and video boards. We can now do things production-wise that we could never do otherwise. We're flying drones in the arena. We are putting a roof inside the Amway Center, and we'll be able to project content onto the roof. So when a big star like Drew McIntyre comes down to the ring, the whole arena will turn into content with lasers, pyros, smoke, projections on top of the building and on the floor. It will be a big, beautiful entrance, better than WrestleMania. Dunn goes on to say, that, yes, I, I pause for effect there. Just like, OK, it says like the, the NBA, we're doing. Virtual fans, but we're also creating an arena-type atmosphere. We won't have a flat board. We'll have rows and rows and rows of fans. We, we have almost 1,000 LED boards, and it will create the arena experience you're used to seeing with WWE. So pretty much they're going to do what the NBA has done by having those virtual fans there, but they're going to do it times a 1,000. That's what it sounds like. Sounds like it's going to be something even bigger. Okay. That's fine. One thing for sure when it comes to Major League Baseball with the fake fan placards or the virtual fans of the NBA, the one thing for sure is that it is a television product. And you want to make sure it's an attractive product for people to be able to watch and enjoy. So I totally get what the WWE is trying to do. I, I totally understand it. They're going to take over the Amway Center and it's going to cost them something like a half million dollars to take over that building uh, that I read from the Wrestling Observer. But it's interesting what they're trying to do. And I I totally get it. They've been in the Performance Center so long, they're WrestleMania there, and they're just trying to do something different. What Vince wants to do is to be able to do this in front of actual live fans, people like butts in seats. And it's just not happening during this pandemic. As a matter of fact... You know, I've been thinking about the last few weeks that I want to talk to you about, and that's this. I was thinking, Man, what is wrestling going to be like once fans are allowed back into arenas? And I just keep envisioning like AEW or the WWE. We already see this to some extent with MLW and the NWA with smaller arenas. But I can is the is WWE going back to the days of Right before the Attitude Era. You know, uh, during that time, like during the Ultimate Warrior time. And Dunk the Clown and all that stuff. Right before the Attitude Era. You know, the WWE was running high school gyms. A lot of people don't talk about that. Uh, People try to talk about the era of, wow, that was great to see all these different characters. And with different names. But there was a time where there was some darkness with the WWE where they're running all these small towns. They were more of like a Northeastern promotion. After all those years of great wrestling with WrestleMania, they turn the page on the Hogan administration, the Hogan years. They go to Ultimate Warrior and find out the Ultimate Warrior is a flop, and then they kind of figure out, like, so who do we turn to? Hogan again? Undertaker? Like, who's going to take it? It was some lean years there for the WWE. They were just going to be pretty much doing shows from White Plains, New York, and 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 be in Connecticut and Massachusetts and Lowell, Massachusetts, small arenas, you know, the high school gyms. Is, is that where wrestling's going back to? Are we resetting back to the territory days of having smaller venues because there's some states that just won't allow like a, a ton of fans. In Japan, we're seeing fans return, but they're like 25%, 30% full capacity in some of these arenas. I just wonder, is this what WWE and AEW has to go through for themselves when we are uh, on the other side of this curve with the pandemic? I'm just thinking out loud. Because I can't see like once fans can return, 30,000 seats filled, 40,000 seats filled, 20,000, 18,000 seats filled. Maybe smaller venues and working your way up. Maybe that's the answer. So, who are all these rustlers dressed as ninjas? What's that all about? I've been seeing that here and there. This retribution, and we heard about this earlier, right? Where MVP was speculating who it is. I have no idea. Like a lot of pyrotechnics, and they're dressed in black. Someone's got a chainsaw, and they're cutting the ropes. I don't know who they are. Bully Ray, though, from Busted Open on Fight Nation, Sirius XM, was with Dave LaGreca. And he's got a great name for this group, this rogue group that just keeps taking over the Performance Center. You would think there would be a lot more chaos, right? There'd be security at the door. They'd just find a way not to take over these television shows for the WWE. Again, lack of you know creativity. It's a great concept. The concept is great because
3: there's mystery. But the concept, um, eh. Wrestlers with different points of view that all lead to the same common thread as they want retribution on the WWE because they felt that they were wronged. Maybe a wrestler who had gotten a tryout and it didn't go the right way and they got told keep working on yourself and come back, or maybe somebody that let got let go, creative has nothing for you. All coming together for a common cause. The reveal has to be off the charts. If the reveal is not off the charts, retribution is dead in the water. And every- Every single one of those people under those heads has to mean something. If you want us as fans to buy in that this is some rogue group that's trying to take over the WWE or, you know, demolish the performance center or so anti-WWE, are you actually going to put a camera on them taking the WWE symbol and putting an X through it? No. It's the last thing you would do. You know when they came in with their chainsaw and they cut the ropes? Yes. Why'd they stop there? They should have cut all the ropes. They should have cut the the ties of the mat. They should have ripped the ring mat completely off. They should have took every board off the ring. They should have started popping out all the steel. They should have destroyed the whole ring. Have you ever seen an entire ring destroyed on national television? No. If you're going to do it, Do it. Go all the way. My vision of pro wrestling goes all the way, and it is the most believable stuff that you will see on TV because it mimics reality. There could be a cool storyline with retribution, but I feel like they've gone about it the wrong way. These people, in their mind, have to have a gripe. And the only people that would have a gripe are the people that have been let go or the people who feel like they were never given a fair opportunity by the WWE. You know what I would have these people spray-painting on the walls? Don't spray-paint WWE with an X through it. That's 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 cliche. I would have them spray-paint the letters C H N F. Why? You know what that stands for? What? Creative has nothing for you. That's the line that they use, right? Well, if creative has nothing for us, we're going to make something for us. There's your story. I like it.
1: I like it a lot. Here's why I like it. It, Because it comes from the brain of Bully Ray. And Bully Ray, when he was in Impact, TNA... Some of the stuff that he was doing was so interesting and so creative. It gave a boost to that company. Not just him powerbombing Dixie Carter through a table. I mean, that was the crescendo of all of it. But some of the stuff that he was doing was so creative, so outside the box. The first time I've ever seen a wrestler take up the mat and show the boards underneath was a Bully Ray match. It was so different than everything else that we have seen. And so to be able to see that, I thought that was very innovative and so different than anything else that we have seen. And so when I think about Bully Ray mentioning that and like what he would do at Retribution, he talks about how you want to be able to go right to the edge if you can and start thinking about things that you normally would never see in a wrestling ring. And I think that that is something that is very important, something that is very different and new for wrestling. Like there's been so many ideas that's been thrown out there Uh, And there's so many ideas in which you look at it and you say, man, you know, I think I've seen this before, but it was 20, 30 years ago. Well, it becomes nostalgic and becomes fun and fresh again. But you can't just keep recycling things from the recent past or things that are kind of lame. Do something that's completely outside the box. There are things that in wrestling that we've never seen before. I haven't seen in 40 or 50 years. I'm okay with repackaging those things and presenting them to this audience for the audience to say, hmm. What is this all about? And what he talked about is kind of like that. It's something where it's a mystery. And now you keep watching to find out whether or not the mystery pays off.
0: You want to run your mouth on, on Twitter, on ESPN? That's fine, Pat, but don't you forget, you kicked me with my arms behind my back. You are not special. What is special is the fact that I am the longest reigning NXT champion of all time. And at take over 30, you are stepping into the ring with that guy. So Pat, I want you to do me a favor, okay? I dare you. I dare you to show up next week. And if you do, if you've got the guts, I want you to walk down this ramp right here. I want you to step through these ropes, get into this ring so I can look you face to face man to man and let you know, I'm gonna whoop that ass to take over 30. And then when you finally realize that you are in way over your head, it is gonna suck for you to know that there is absolutely nothing that you can do about it. And that
1: is undisputed. You like to say this is on me, but no, Cross, this is on you. Because I offered for you to join me in this ring I offered for you to earn your shot and you denied it So here's what I did I made a little adjustment I begged, I pleaded with Regal Please, I promise I won't put my hands on him Until takeover if you give me the match So my name's on this Regal's name is on this All it needs is your punk ass name signs it, slides the contract to Keith Lee. Lady Scarlet stares at Keith Lee. Lee picks up the contract, smile on his face, opens the contract, and... Cut that off at the end with the Keith Lee contract signing uh, because it went on for like another 30 minutes of him writhing in pain because he got struck in the face with a fireball as he opened up the contract. So two things that's going on with NXT as they get ready for their takeover event. So the NXT championship is on the line as Karrion Cross takes on Keith Lee. I believe that this match is a little too soon. Even for NXT, it's too soon. Because I still believe that Kieran Cross has a lot of other contenders to beat. If you're trying to build up someone that you foresee being the next NXT champion in the very near future, I don't believe that this match should take place. But it's taking place anyway, because this is wrestling in 2020. There is no sustained build anymore like it used to be. So, Kieran Cross, who's been very impressive, by the way, I've liked what I've seen uh, with him and Lady Scarlet because it's a different presentation. And Keith Lee, Keith Lee became, being NXT champion, I know that the WWE is definitely Vince is very high on him, so it's uh, it's been very compelling to watch. But you know, here's the thing: I don't think they should be wrestling, but they will be wrestling. I mentioned that point, but the other point is, is that when you have a fireball angle, right? I've seen fireball angles since the '80s with Jerry Lawler, with Eddie Gilbert. Kevin Sullivan, on and on and on. We've seen uh, Jim Cornette. We've seen people throw fireballs before. And this was so fake. It's so, I mean, it's over the top fake. A head scratcher for me, and here's why. So, Keith Lee opens up the contract and there's a fireball that hits him right in the face. Okay, cool. So, there's four referees that jump in and they have one towel for him. And and my point is is that he has the towel and he's walking like a half mile, almost a mile, to a, a, a van or whatever was outside. Of, I don't even know if it was an ambulance, but it was something that was waiting for him outside. And If you're really struck with that, aren't you? Don't I mean? There's got to be more than just a towel to help him out. There's got to be more. And actually, the chaos and the camera work should have been on. You know, the chaos around it. Here comes other wrestlers trying to help him. And, hey, he's been burned. Let's make sure that he's got water. Whatever it takes. But not just a dry towel to help him out from getting a fireball. This is so ridiculous. And it was so ridiculous because Lee was walking. And he took the towel off. took the Put the towel on. Took the towel off. Put the towel on. I'm like, what is going on? What is going on? This is so weird. So that was a disconnect for me. Yes, there's a battle. Yes, these two will be taking on one another. But this that whole fireball angle is so phony. I've never seen that reaction from a fireball before. I've seen Russell's writhing pain where the camera's all over the place and they're in the back trying to figure out who they can, you know, what medical people can help and doing what they can to save someone's face and whatever, right? Uh, or or how about this? And I don't know what's going to happen this upcoming Wednesday, but if, if Keith Lee does not have a burn mark on his face or something similar to that, then it's just a nonsense. That was just a waste. If you're going to do a fireball, you you know, back in the day, someone would get sandpaper and scrape it to the side of their face. Harley Race did that to Ricky Steamboat. Uh you know, other old school, old time wrestlers will be like, OK, I got burnt in the face. Somebody punch me in the face. You know, give me something that looks like a burn or still looks like Like, because if Keith Lee looks like he normally does with the handsome face and bask in my glory, then that's not going to work. We know what this is, but you got to be able to be closer to reality in, in some ways. Right. I mean, a wrestling reality, not the actual reality. You know what I mean? The other thing we just heard was Adam Cole in his matchup coming up against Pat McAfee. And I don't know what that's going to look like because I've never seen Pat McAfee wrestle. You know that you haven't seen Pat McAfee wrestle. I'm used to seeing Adam Cole in classics in great matches. And I don't know why this is happening. Pat McAfee is a heel. So are is Undisputed Era babyfaces now? I guess they are. I guess they always were fan favorites, cool heels, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't know why that's happening now. There is no, like, large faction for the Undisputed Era to say, okay, now we're with them because they're babyfaces, but yet Adam Cole takes on Pat McAfee. So, if Pat McAfee, when he gets his ass whooped, then what's next? What's next? Is there a faction that Pat McAfee has that he's going to be riding with now? Is this just a one-off? I don't get it. That's not the match I want to see, necessarily. Uh, the Pac McAfee's first match is against Adam Cole, a terrific wrestler, arguably the best wrestler in that company, in the NXT brand. Okay. As we record this, Lee against Karrion Cross, Adam Cole against Pat McAfee in a singles match, Io Shirai and Dakota Kai, a singles match for the NXT Women's Championship. They should tear the house down because both of those women are terrific. Ladder match for the NXT North American Championship is Bronson Reed, who's really impressed as of late, Damian Priest, who I'm rooting for to win the championship. I just think that Punishment Martinez has been... He's so different than everybody else in that company. Tall... Bass in his voice, strong, smooth in the ring for a big guy. I like Damian Priest, Uh, Cameron Grimes, Johnny Gargano, Ridge Holland, Finn Balor, the now heelish Velveteen Dream. Uh, So he comes out this past uh, Wednesday on uh, NXT, and I was like, oh, there's Velveteen Dream. It's like, okay, so whatever he had with his personal issues, I guess the WWE is good with it because now he's back on WWE NXT TV. Okay, North American Championship. i like Damian Priest to win. He may not, but Bronson Reed's got a huge push so far. That's a positive. Again, young talent, different talent, new. Wrestling only works when you do new, not necessarily going back to 30 years ago and bringing Ric Flair out, but that's just me. All right, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez from Wrestling Observer Live talking about the new Thunderdome. What does this look like for the WWE? Let's get their take.
2: You know, the new thing they're starting on Friday, the Thunderdome. Dude, I'm all for the Thunderdome. Yeah, but that's, I can't it, wait to see what they're doing with this thing.
4: Well, I mean, I've got a kind of an idea. I watch sports.
2: This is intrigue. I'm ready for them to get out of the performance center. Yeah, well, it's time to get out of the performance center. Um, but I mean,
4: at the end of the day, it's still you know they'll they'll get they'll get a boost to a degree out of this at first. Um, and you know, again, if the stories are good, they can keep it. If they're not, you know, in the end, that's what's going to determine
2: well we haven't seen a good story in years now so i think i'm pretty confident that we're not gonna have any good stories coming well i wouldn't say that i mean like i can name two off the top of my head that were decent
4: i mean the the, 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 the right now i mean the stuff with bailey and alexa bliss i'm not i mean I'm bailey and sasha banks it's not necessarily like a good story it's but not it's, a
2: story it's just they're great performers the act is great but yeah. i'm talking like a great story i mean i can't even remember the last great story that they told
4: oh man i mean the daniel bryan thing was a couple years ago
2: daniel bryan thing was a story that it was a story because they they fucked it up and it got over they fell it certainly wasn't a story that they designed
4: oh no well they haven't as far as like them designing a great story um i would say um johnny gargano and Tommaso Ciampa.
2: That doesn't count That's that's NXT I'm talking Vince McMahon That's a great Vince McMahon story Oh fuck Man I don't know Vince
4: McMahon I wouldn't
2: even Hunter and Batista In 2005 Well come on
4: That's 15 years ago And that wasn't Vince McMahon either Because they Almost screwed that up Well that is
2: true He wanted to do The match early And they talked They wanted to do The match early And and if they
4: had It would have been We wouldn't even Be remembering it today Um, There have been there been, um, There haven't been A lot of good stories Of late though That's for sure Well, then maybe they have no hope. They
2: need. Well, right now, the only good story that I can actually think of that actually is a story, in fact, involves Sonya Deville. Sonya hates Mandy. She wants to make her ugly. So she cuts her hair and Mandy challenges her to a hair match and they're doing a hair match at the pay-per-view. That's like there was a beginning, a middle and there's going to be an end. Like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, but it was it's it's still like when it comes to stories, it's pretty short. It's short, but hey, you know what? I got a beginning, middle, and an end. And I, yeah. I can't say that very often. Sonia's house... Well, I mean, you could, you know... Um, yeah. Her house broken know. into over the weekend since oh. we did a show last. Some guy had been stalking her for eight months. Well, he hadn't been stalking her. He'd been
4: planning for eight months. He'd been planning this... he been stalking this, her I, a
2: lot longer than that, I guess.
4: It, um, I mean, it's, it's like... I guess he's been stalking her. I don't know. It's it's like, what is the word? I mean, it's like, it's not like he's been like, like to me, to me. Okay. Okay. Like, I guess he's, to, to me, like a stalker. He fits certain categories of a stalker, okay? But a stalker is someone who, like, harasses, you know, I guess in this case, someone who would harass you over and over again and not leave you alone, okay? Like, that's what I consider a stalker. This guy, all he did was just retweet Sonia Deville stuff all day long and praise Sonia Deville. He was, uh, he was...
2: Well, he was obsessive. an obsessive fan that ended up at her house breaking in with zip ties and a knife. <sighs>
1: okay. I love how their conversations just meander to what is the last real great story from Vince McMahon to Sonya Deville uh, has a stalker. Well, that's not part of the WWE storylines, is it? And finally, AEW, All Elite Wrestling. Well, they've got a lot of scheduling conflicts now. The Wednesday, August 19th episode is going to air on Saturday, the 22nd at 5 o'clock Central Time. Uh, AEW All Out 2019 Part 1 will air Wednesday the 19th on YouTube at 7 o'clock Central Time. The Wednesday, uh, August 26th episode will air on Thursday the 27th at 7 p.m. Central Time. AEW All Out Part 2 from 2019 will air on the 26th on the YouTube channel at 7 p.m. Central Time. Wednesday, September 16th, there will be a special one-hour dynamite immediately following the NBA playoffs. The Wednesday, the 16th of September episode will air Thursday on September 17th at 7 p.m. Central Time. Boy, they can move this to True TV or TBS. Just saying, like, I know that TNT is the destination, but... Those two channels I just mentioned, those networks, TBS as well as True TV, they're also tied. Wait, is True TV? Wait, I think they got that wrong. True TV, I think, is part of the CBS brand. I think that's right. But TBS, Headline News? <laughs> Couldn't you move Dynamite to Headline News? There's nothing going on there uh, that time of night. That's strange. Well, if you're a diehard AEW fan, you know that the company's not gonna lose momentum. Sure, they're not gonna be on Wednesday nights for some for a few weeks because of the NBA playoffs, but if you're Tony Khan, this great businessman, you should have a contingency plan. Like, hey, the NBA playoffs is coming up, so but we're gonna be like exclusively on a YouTube page, or we're gonna be on a Twitch channel, or we're gonna like I don't know. I just if you want to keep it on television for sure, that they you could have been able to negotiate TBS if there's nothing going on on TBS. I, I I don't know. Maybe they tried that and it just didn't work. I would say just air all your stuff on YouTube. I mean, they have part one and part two of All Out from last year, so why just keep just keep Dynamite going? Just put it on the YouTube channel. It's not going to be the same as being on TNT, but you got to do something. So I don't know. Um, as far as the show is concerned. The show has been pretty good. Uh, I, I've liked what I've seen so far. Uh, I, I understand AEW is an acquired taste, so I totally understand that. It is, uh, it is. gets some good action. I um, I just think it's a head scratcher. Some of the stuff that we've seen here for AEW, and I'll talk more about it for sure. Once they get to like their one year, I don't wanna I don't wanna overly criticize everything from AEW so far because I think that for the most part I've been satisfied with what they've been able to do. But just some things with this company, once we reach a year, I'll be glad to really dig into because some things they really need to work on. But when you're a young company, I've said this before on the show, when you are a young new company, there's things that you wanna make sure that are solid, that are tight. And Tony Khan, as the producer, as the executive producer of this show, has got some things to learn about booking. And so, you know, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on it. But uh, I've been watching, and man, it's, it's some of the action has been really, really good. I'm glad to see FTR, by the way, uh, turn heel. We've been waiting for that for a long time. I think they should have came in as heels, but they came in as baby faces that were agreeable and amenable to the AEW talent. And then they turned on Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express so I guess we're going to see FTR get the Rock and Roll Express at some point I guess that's fine, I don't mind putting them over I guess that's not a problem for the Rock and Roll Express this time of year, and I think the MJF has just been tremendous, this whole presidential thing has been great, some people say oh it's more like WWE stuff, and it's kind of like for me, no, I don't see it that way I see it as yeah, you know, here's a guy here that's really helping his personality get over and he's going to face John Moxley for the championship, and I think it's been very interesting to watch so far. Uh, but we'll see how some of this other programming works while uh, AEW still reigns supreme on Wednesday nights. reigns supreme, meaning they're going to have the time slot while the NBA playoffs are going to be on TNT um, during that time. Okay, so don't forget to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT, that's WrestlingTWT, and don't forget the YouTube page, YouTube.com. Next week, we will review AEW, review um, what's going on with NXT, as well as SummerSlam. We'll reach out to Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and get his review of the weekend action. Uh, around professional wrestling slash sports entertainment reach out to me i'd love to get your reaction on twitter and instagram about what you've been seeing with the beautiful world of professional wrestling i'm jonathan hood thanks for checking out tuesday wrestling tuesday right here on the espn chicago app and wherever you download your podcast looking for tuesday wrestling tuesday